Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Bow your heads in prayer. Father, it is good to gather in your house to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Sunday after Easter, but also every Sunday of the year. Lord, open our hearts as we journey again to the empty tomb and feed us, Lord, and strengthen us by your grace. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, sometimes I'd ask mom something and I didn't like what she told me and she'd say, if you don't want to know the answer, don't ask the question. Now my, mom, my, my, my pastor who confirmed me, he had a different way of, of saying this about prayer. He said, he always told us, be careful uh, what you pray for because God's going to answer. You know, and I was thinking about that as I was thinking again about Easter Sunday and about us journeying to the, to the empty tomb to, to find answers and, and so forth. And I was thinking about the fact that when Mary came that morning, she came with questions, I'm sure, how did this happen? Why did this happen? How could Jesus be dead? But when she got there, it wasn't what she expected. The tomb was empty. She wasn't expecting that. The stone was rolled away. She wasn't expecting that. So now she's got all sorts of questions, and, and she thinks she knows the answer because the, the, when the angels ask her, she says, woman, why are you weeping? She says, they've taken my Lord away. That she, She's convinced that's why the tomb is empty. The body has been stolen, but she's wrong again. Standing behind her, very much alive, not the gardener, remember, is Jesus. And he gives her the most unexpected answer of all when he calls her name. Mary. His was not a dead body stolen. His was a living body revealed. Jesus was no longer dead. Jesus was alive. He had risen. Because of Mary's experience, that I would like us to go to the tomb this Easter and see what answers God might have to some of our questions at that tomb. You, know, Mary, wasn't the only one that day with questions, was she? I mean, the disciples had to be full of them. You think about how their day starts. Mary comes back from the tomb, panicked. The body is stolen. Peter, not Peter, yeah, Peter and John, they run out to the tomb. They come back. They confirm her story. Yes, the stone is rolled away. The tomb is empty. And then that's when things really started to get strange. Because next comes Mary back, I've seen Jesus, I hugged him. And then come the other women, I talked to the angels, they say he's risen. And then Peter comes again and he says, I 
talk to the Lord. And then still later, two men who had gone to Emmaus come back. We had supper with him. We broke bread with him. This had to sound crazy to them. How could this all be true? Dead is dead. We saw his lifeless body. We laid it in the tomb. How can he be alive? Now, want to know what really puzzles me about this story? Why is it that none of the rest of them went out to investigate? Why is it that they just kind of sat on their hands and only the two of them, Peter and John, went out as far as we know? The text gives us the answer. They had another question. They had the question of fear. Bible says on the evening of that first day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were. Here's the reason for fear of the Jews. They didn't go out because they were afraid. They were afraid of the Jewish leaders. They were afraid that what happened, what happened to Jesus would happen to them. And that fear kept them behind locked doors. That fear did to them what it does to all of us. Fear immobilizes us. Now, I want you to think for a moment. What are your fears? And to kind of get at that, I'm, I'm going to ask you to think about this question. What would you do if you weren't afraid? Would you go to the doctor if you weren't afraid of what the doctor might find? Would would you confess to your, the sins that really trouble you and struggle you if you weren't afraid of what other people might think or weren't afraid even of maybe what the pastor might think? Would you go get help with depression or discouragement or something else if you weren't afraid that somehow that would make you appear weak to others? Would you ask the questions you've always wanted to ask if you weren't afraid that others might figure out that you have doubts about your faith? Would you would you raise your giving to a tithe, to 10%, if you weren't afraid of having enough for yourself? I could go on. Now, please understand me. Fear is not the same as common sense caution. Knowing how to put on and work a parachute and put it on and and, and know how to operate it before you jump out of plane, that's just common sense. That's not fear. S knowing that you had a comorbidity or you were in the, in the danger area and age that it was, you were susceptible, so you were cautious this past year, that's not fear. Fear is an irrational terror or fright that immobilizes you. It's an obstacle that keeps you from doing the thing that God wants you to do or being the person God wants you to be. And so what would you do 
if you weren't afraid. Well, that's why we want to go to the empty tomb. Because the risen Christ, in the risen Christ, God offers us his answer for fear. Peace. Did you hear the words that, that John records on the evening of that first day of the week? And we're looking at this, this verse a lot. On the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Now the word peace in the Hebrew is shalom. And the word peace means wholeness. It means completeness. It means security. That's why I talked about that feeling of being secure and falling asleep in the children's message. It's, it's what shalom means. It means everything is as it should be in your relationship with God. And because everything's fine with God, you aren't afraid. Now I want you to understand something. Such peace is not a feeling. Hear that? Such peace is not a feeling. I, I cringe a little bit when people talk about the peace of God like it's a feeling. Well, I have, I'm at peace. I feel good about it. Therefore, it must be the right decision. You know, the reason you feel good about something might be because you decided to do what you wanted to do. Not because it's what God wants you to do. Sometimes what God asks us to do gives us anything else but that feeling of serenity. Problem with saying it's a feeling is that feelings come and go. They change like the weather. Think about it. Well, if, if I get to do what I want, if, I, if, if God's answer to my prayer is what I want, if the weather is good, if I have a job, if things are going my way, well, then I am at peace. But what happens if things aren't going your way? What happens if things don't go the way you want it? What happens if what God wants you to do isn't what you wanted to do? What happens... If that feeling goes away, does that mean God is fickle? No. See, God's peace is a gift we can count on no matter how we feel. Should have put that on the end of that phrase. God's peace is a gift we can count on no matter how we feel. Why? It's not dependent on our feelings. Peace. We have peace because the living Christ is always present with us. Go back again to that verse 19. The door is being locked where the Jews were for fear of the Jews. Look what happened. Jesus came and stood among them. Now I love the way Luther explains this. He says it's not that he walked through the walls. It's not that Jesus came in without unlocking the doors. He was always there. 
He was always in the room with them, and he just chose that moment to let himself be seen. His presence was God's answer to their fear. I had a um, lady I used to visit back in a previous congregation. And a lot of times when I would go, she would be angry with God. On the surface, it was angry because she was bedfast. It was angry because she was paralyzed, most of her body. But you want to know the real reason for her anger? Fear. She was afraid that God had abandoned her. She was afraid that she was alone. That's why when you all and I call on shut-ins, it's so very important because that's a very real fear. My job as a pastor was to let her know, no, God hadn't abandoned you. My job as a pastor was to read to her God's words so that she would hear his living voice. My job was to bring her the Lord's Supper so that in bread and wine she would taste the living body and blood of her Lord given for her. You see, the living presence of Jesus does something as it reminds us of all that Jesus did. What's the first thing Jesus does in the upper room? It says, it says in the text, it says, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Why? Because in his hands were the wounds from the nails. In his side was the place where the sword had pierced him. He was reminding them that it was him. That it's true that this one standing before them, this living person was the same person who had died on the cross, the same person who had, been, had nails driven through his hands, the same person who had had the sword shoved into his side, the same person who had been buried in the tomb, and now he was showing that he had done all that for them, that he had died, and that he who he had died had risen again, he had conquered death. And that meant... That no matter what they were afraid of, he could handle it all. There wasn't anything he couldn't handle if he could handle death. Think about that. Right? Folks, you realize that's why you come on Sunday morning. That's why you've been joining us on the live stream. For the same reason that I would go visit that shut-in. You come here so the guilt 
that can bring fear, can be taken away as Jesus reminds you he died for you. Your sins are forgiven. You come here so that whether it's me or one of the lay ministers reading the scripture, you might hear the living voice of your living God speaking to you so that you can come here at this table and the Savior who died and is now alive might feed you with his body and blood and assure you, yes, I conquered death. Yes, I forgive you. Yes, I love you. There is nothing that I can't handle. Now, this is really important. Something more, one more thing to know about God's peace. It changes us, not always our circumstances. What do I mean? I want you to think about what happened. Well, the last verse says, peace. Jesus says again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had heard this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And out these men went outside those doors. And the first one they told was Thomas, who wasn't there that day. And we'll talk about him in a couple of weeks right? But they started to tell the story. Now, I want you to think about something. The things that had kept them locked behind closed doors, the the things that they had been afraid of hadn't changed. The Jewish leaders that they were afraid of, the people who had put Jesus to death, they were all still out there. That's not what Jesus changed. What Jesus changed was them. And in the courage of his peace, knowing that they could be put to death, and many of them were, they went out and proclaimed the gospel. God's peace changes us. I had a fellow in a previous parish who had, and I didn't know it, had a struggle with alcoholism. The reason I didn't know is he was afraid to admit it. Afraid to admit it to others. Afraid to admit it to himself. Afraid of others finding out. Afraid that he couldn't handle life without it. it was part of the fear. But then he played guitar and he started playing guitar for a group in the congregation called Celebrate Recovery. And he started hearing people talk about getting help for things like that. And then he'd see them go into a back room and have their small groups after he got done. And he thought to himself, you know, I'd like to have what they have. And so eventually he started to go back there. And you know what they talked about back there? Twelve steps, they talked about Jesus. And Jesus changed his life. As far as I know, he's still sober. But it's more than that. He's living in peace. Now get this. The alcohol that tempted him is still all out there. Not that God changed that. It's that God changed him. Whatever it is you are afraid of, The answer is God's peace. 
The answer is the peace that passes all understanding. The answer is being able to rest in the arms of a God who can handle anything, knowing that he has conquered death. There isn't anything he can't do. It's to rest and live in the courage and faith that no matter what happens, everything is all right between you and God. And then you can go out and live free from fear. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Peace be with you, because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen.